Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain and Chad Cruz here with you. And Chad, once again, we took it and gave it to our Twitter followers, and they did not disappoint with this episode. That's right. We've been giving it to our Twitter followers for, <laughs> for years, years now, <laughs> for years. And uh, you, you told me just, just recently, Chris, you said, I'm going to put a poll up and I'm going to give them some options of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Yes. And we're going to see what they want to hear. And I said, my God, you're insane. No one's ever thought of that before. That is a truly original idea. And you know what? I think it, I think it's paying off right now because this is going to be a damn good one. Yeah, we are going to be talking about Hard Target. Uh, so thank you for everybody who voted on, uh, on that poll. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at BulletproofPod. And if you want to be on uh, Instagram and Facebook with us, that's at Bulletproof Action. But again, Twitter, that's where the poll was. They voted for Hard Target. It really wasn't a, a wrong answer on that poll. So no, no matter what won, we were going to win because we were going to get to talk about some classic JCVD. But before we get to that, Chad. Yes. I do want to just once again go back to our last episode and thank time and saying uh, Ty was great. Uh, we talked born to be bad uh, and all about the action movie villains that he has had the pleasure of interviewing. And again, just want to remind everybody what a great gift that would be for either yourself or the a fellow action fan in your life this holiday season, the two born to be bad books, but there's something else, Chad, that these people can get themselves for Christmas. I'm all ears because I need ideas. I'm terrible at gift buying. Well, that was a toss to you so you could plug our T-shirts. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, duh. I knew that was a, t <laughs> I knew that was a toss. Uh, yeah. My God. If you haven't gone on BulletproofAction.com recently and clicked on the Bulletproof Shop tab at the top, uh, do so now. Check it out. There are uh, Several different colors of t-shirts there. The Bulletproof Podcast t-shirt, the official t-shirt that you and I wear. I'm actually wearing one right now. It's wow. pretty much 50% of my wardrobe at this point. Um, so it's a comfortable tee. It, it, it's, it's got a little bit of room if you need the room, or it's got a little snugness if you got some muscle under there. So uh, it's just a quality tee yeah. made by some quality people. And send me your money because I will gladly accept it. And and you will gladly ship them a shirt as well. Oh yeah, I'll not do just that too. not just send send them. I mean, you could yeah. just send them money. Just if you send want me money. As well. yeah. um, that's, yeah. that goes without saying. But you this will isn't like an, Yeah, this isn't like an OnlyFans where I show you a nipple and you send me ten bucks or whatever. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. if there's if there's a lot of people asking for that, maybe we can. Yeah, arrange. well, yeah, hit hit us up again on Twitter at Bulletproof Pod or uh, at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> if that's something that might float your boat because Chad's a whore. Anyway, <laughs> again, that is, uh, yeah, pick up your Bulletproof Action t-shirt. And yeah, I'm sure as, as we get closer to the holidays, we will we will have some other uh, gift ideas. I know there's yeah. a great Shaw Brothers uh, Blu-ray collection coming out in December. Right. For, so if you're like a classic Kung Fu fan, you might want to check that out. I know I've pre-ordered my copy of that. So. I actually feel better about myself today, Brain, which is rare. Um, I did finally, after after weeks of talking about sending uh, our good friend Aaron Williams a t-shirt, yeah. I finally mailed that out today. Yeah. Uh, I'm patting myself on the back right now. All right, Barry Horowitz. It. Yep. So uh, hopefully he gets that by the time this episode airs. And 
Maybe he'll wear it when he listens to it. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Yeah, he called you out on Twitter. He did. I know. At Bulletproof Pod. He uh, must have heard me talking about it on the pod. So that's he, good. He I'm did. glad he's listening. He, he is listening. He's probably listening right now. Holy shit, that's and, creepy. And maybe he's wearing that t-shirt. That would be very impossible. Okay. Well, not now, but now. You don't understand oh, what I'm saying? I get it. Not now, but now. I got it. Right. Okay. But right now, we are going to talk about Hard Target. Again, it won the Twitter poll. Uh, this one released August 20th, 1993. Um, and quite quite an interesting movie here because really it was the coming together of two men who have really built up a name for themselves. You think about Jean-Claude Van Damme, the star of the film. I mean, here's a guy. One of the things I loved about him is you kind of saw that progression with each movie. Yeah. You know, uh, from uh, the humble beginnings of No Retreat, No Surrender, the little bit part in Black Eagle, but you had Bloodsport, which really, that put him on there. Cyborg, a little oddball film, but still another movie under his belt. Kickboxer, Lionheart, double impact, the whole gimmick with the, the two Van Dams. And then you come in to this one here. You've got Hard Target, and he's working with a director, Chad, who had made a name for himself in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, you say you talk about the coming together of two men. Uh, you love it, and I love it, especially when it comes to Hard Target, because John Woo had already, uh, you know, he could have retired at this point in his career, and he would have had an amazing career. But he, he decided to come over to America and to the States to make make his first film over here. And uh, who better person to choose than Jean-Claude Van Damme to star in it? Because the action that, that Woo brings, the action that Van Damme has always brought to the screen – I mean, it just kind of works in, in perfect harmony because it, it time that Van Damme got to work with a director like Wu or, or, or with another director that really understood action, um, it seemed like he was just like had his A-plus game out there. And I think that Hard Target, it, I don't even know if it's arguable at this point, but it's easily some of his best action sequences of any of his films. I was going to say somehow this, you know, and Van Damme is obviously an action icon, but this might be his most action action movie. Oh yeah. I mean, and he, I mean, he's a man of few words in most of his films. Um, so you don't expect him to kind of just like deliver these monologues and whatnot, but this movie, he speaks even less, I feel like. And there are so many sequences that I don't know his delivery and, you know, just by saying very few words, his delivery is so on point that it makes the scene that much better. And, you know, a lot of action stars go out there and they say three words. Steven Seagal goes out there. He's not going to talk up a storm and deliver these amazing acting performances. And he's, you know, as an action guy, you don't need to. But Van Damme's always kind of had a little, a little more to him than some of those other guys. And he's got that charisma. And I think that this movie, it plays off his charisma and it plays off of John Woo's directing ability as well. Yeah, and I mean, they even had the perfect uh, Louisiana French excuse for him to sound the way he sounded, and they didn't didn't <laughs> yeah. use him much in the dialogue department. But that's that's true. That's the way it goes. All right, well, let's get into it. The movie starts off. It's a rainy night in New Orleans, and we kind of get this POV shot uh, of an obviously frantic man who's just running for his life. Uh, this man is being hunted down. Uh, yeah. there's, there's arrows coming his way. There's guys on motorcycles in hot pursuit. And we get our first look at our, our main villain and his right-hand man, Chad. Yeah, it's a really cool scene because it's cut in with the credits and you know, with the with the background music and the sound of these arrows being shot his way. It's, 
it's I don't know. It's it's just got a different feel to it. Um, but we, like you said, we we get to see Lance Hendrickson's character for the first time, and we get to see his right hand man, uh, Pick Van Cleef, played by Arnold Vosloo. And uh, I mean, they look they look villainous. This, yeah. These two guys have made a career uh, out of being great villains. Um, you know, they've played heroes from time to time as well. But but Vosloo as you know as the mummy, he's the mummy. Hinder- He'll Hinder- always be the mummy to me. He's the mummy in anything. He just, <laughs> he can't change his look. I mean, he, he just looks like the mummy at this point, but and Hendrickson has been good in pretty much every film he's ever done. Um, so, I mean, they just, as soon as they come on screen, wearing all black, looking all cool. You're like, okay, this movie's already going to be good. I can tell. Yeah. So basically the, the rules of this game that we're, we're, we're watching here is if the guy can make it to the river, he wins this money belt, which I think has like $10,000 and he gets so, so close. But as mean Gene Okerlund would want to say close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> and he did not make it. No. Uh, and actually I think that the actor playing uh, that character there is uh, Chuck Ferrer, Who's the uh, writer of this film. Oh, look at that. One look thing that. I didn't know. About uh, Hara Target. Thank you, Chuck. There you go. That's all I got. I'm done. So it's all about, uh, you know, basically it's the thrill of the hunt. It's, it's another yeah. variation on the classic The Most Dangerous Game. Um, Emil, who is is the Lance Henriksen character, is the, the mastermind behind it. And he's got wealthy people who are willing to pay for a chance to hunt an actual human being. Um, so it's, I guess, a good racket if you can get into it. Uh, and that's exactly what uh, old Lance Henriksen did. So the guy who they were hunting down was one Douglas Bender. And uh, he uh, obviously at this point is now missing in action. So his daughter and one of your favorites, Chad. Yes. Natasha Nat Binder, played by the one and only Yancey Butler, who's always I, I bet she's going to retweet the uh, tweet about this podcast because she's very, so. very uh interactive on Twitter. But anyway, Nat arrives in uh, New Orleans looking for her father, uh, goes to his last known address. He was living in an extra room in some kind lady's home. Uh, Finds out he moved out because he lost his job and wasn't able to pay her anymore. So he was basically homeless, Um, which is unfortunately something that does obviously happen legitimately to to veterans in our country. And uh, so this was kind of like a, a real there was some reality to this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a massive problem in the veteran community and guys being able to hold down jobs and, you know, substance abuse and homelessness. It's, it's, it's a huge thing now. Um, I'm sure in, in early nineties, you had a lot of those Vietnam vets that were entering uh, late forties, early fifties, you know, they were kind of running into the same issues. So uh, it seems kind of like a, you know, finger on the pulse of kind of real life stuff there. Uh, and now we finally get to see our hero, Chance Boudreaux. Um, he's at a diner. Um, and uh, so it just so happens that Nat goes into the diner as well and uh, has a wad of cash on her, uh, which Chance picks up immediately. And he's not the only one, though, who spots <laughs> this cash. Yeah, there's a bunch of uh, obvious stuntmen in the back of the room <laughs> watching her uh, pull out this wad of money and pay. Or, or she got quarters, I think, to use the phone. Yeah. And uh, we also get to, you know, as, as Chance sits there drinking his coffee, we get to see that he's broke. Yeah. I um, mean, he's trying to pay with like pennies and nickels and stuff. 
Um, so that's another, you know, a thing I love in movies is, you know, show me, don't tell me. So, uh, you don't have to tell me that he lost his job and he's, he's had hard luck and this and that. You could just show me that he can't pay for coffee. Uh, but it's great. Cause like you said, he's got, uh, he's got his head on a swivel. Not only does he see her wad of cash, but he sees the, uh, the jabronis in the back watching her. Yeah. So she, she makes her phone call. She goes out to her car and the jabronis, as you put it, follow her. And they're, you know, looking to rob her and maybe who knows what else. Uh, Rape. Possibly. But we get an uh, old chance to the rescue and uh, he may be broke in the money department, but not in the fighting skills department, Jared. Oh, my God. And I love this fight scene. I don't, you know, Van Damme's had so many good ones. You know, it's hard to kind of rank them. But uh, as far as just scenes where he whoops ass where, you know, he's not fighting a main henchman or anything like that where he just beats the crap out of four or five guys. This might be my favorite one of his. Yeah. Uh, Snaps I, I, that guy's arm. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, take your, what's he say? Take your something and your boyfriend and get out of here. <laughs> uh, it's just so good. And he's got such a great mullet in this movie. And, oh. and, and the way that he flips his jacket back as if he's like brandishing a pistol, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have a sidearm. He has his leg, which is his weapon. So he's kind of unsheathing his leg. Uh, and it just works so perfectly with the music. I mean, this movie really is kind of, you know, it has the feel of a Western, you know what I mean? You put a cowboy hat on him and change the cars to horses and you could easily put this movie into uh 1870s or whatever. Right. And it would work. Right. And that, I mean, she, like I probably a lot of people in the audience was just awestruck by, by this mega ass whooping that uh, yes. chance delivered to just a, a bunch of guys making her safe uh, at least for the time being so next stop for nat uh she's going to go to the cops and file a missing persons report we meet uh, detective marie mitchell and uh she basically she lays it out for nat she's like this is not going to help because she finds out the guy was homeless so there's right. nowhere to say he's missing from um and that her better bet would be to go to the various missions in town and uh, show his picture and maybe see, you know, what she could find out. And also with the caveat, maybe find somebody local who can help you out. Right. And you know, uh, it works out for her too, because you know, she remembers the, the only person that she knows locally <laughs> is, is the one guy who just saved her ass. Right. Um, and he can't be that expensive. Right. Well, you wouldn't think, um, <laughs> But uh, he's definitely going to come in for a discount rate because we then see Chance. He's trying to get on on a boat. Yes. Um, but he's had some issues with union dues and whatnot. Um, so it's just like, you know, perfect timing. Uh, right time, right place. She shows up. He can't he can't get on the boat. He needs, I think, two hundred and seventeen dollars for for his dues. Um, and that's what he agrees to work with her. Um, and she he's going to help her find her dad. Um, so everybody wins in this situation. It is a true win-win. And, you know, being that Chance is a local boy, or at least he's lived locally for a while, it appears, he uh, he is smart enough to understand that as a homeless person, um, the detective said, check the missions first. And that, that's kind of the first place that Chance takes her, is is these uh, these homeless areas where these people have uh, go to get meals and, and a bed to sleep in. Right, and that's where we get uh, Elijah, who is a friend of Chance. Um, and Elijah, who actually talked to Nat, I think the day before, uh, found her father's things in a shopping cart. Um, and 
Then we get an interesting clue, though, Chad Cruz in the shopping cart. Phone sex flyers. Yes. Yes. And it's a clue not that he was masturbating a lot, but that he had been uh, taking work from this company that, you know, these guys, they pay homeless dudes 10 bucks a day or whatever to uh, pass out flyers. So that is a hint as to what, uh, you know, somebody who has seen her, her father recently. So, and of course, Chance knows this person because being a person of, uh, of little money, he too has done it at some point, I'm sure. Right. And, and that's a, a, a rotund individual named Randall Poe. Big boy. Uh, works at this advertising office. And uh, so, yeah, Nat and Chance go there, but somebody else is there kind of in the background I don't know, lurking old van yes. cleef is there and we get kind of a, a little stare down moment as him and uh chance lock eyes and you know van cleef realizes wait a minute there's people asking about the guy we just killed that's not right. supposed to happen uh so you know he's probably going to run back to his boss and tell him um but while all that before that can happen the authorities get a hold of that and unfortunately, they have now found her father's body, and it was badly burned. Obviously, this is not the result she wanted, um, but, you know, the truth is now out there, Chad. Right. Yeah, there's there's uh, some closure in it, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, they, they, the father's no longer missing, and they've at least found it. And, and of course, she feels terrible because... She didn't get there sooner. She wasn't able to help him. She, you know, she didn't know that he was living on the streets or she would have been there for him. Um, You know, she's mentioned multiple times in the film that her parents had divorced when she was young, but she had always gotten letters from her dad and then the letter stopped. So she, you know, felt like something was wrong. She came there and she was just too late. So she's taken it pretty hard. Um, But, you know, Chance being the good, uh, good boy that he is, uh, he's not a dog. I don't know why I said it that way, but he, (laughs) oh, good boy. He, uh, he's kind of, he's kind of going over the, the photos. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he, he thinks something's up that he just, he, he, just didn't, die right. in, didn't die in a fire. Right. Right. And just like, I, I feel like in the scene previously in the scene prior to this, when Van Cleef is standing in the back of the room and he's kind of like, you're, they're doing the stare down. Like you said, I feel like he could sense that Van Cleef is a killer. He's a dangerous man mm-hmm. just by the look in his eyes. And, you know, I think it takes one to know one. And I feel like chance probably knew that now's not the time. Let's get out of here. So, yeah, real recognizes real. Basically. That's right. That's how uh, we met. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, so then Emil and Van Cleef are at the, uh, advertising office and poor Poe. Yeah. He gave them the wrong guy. He, he did not send send the uh, veteran that they had asked for. They, he just sent any veteran and un- didn't realize that old uh, Douglas Bender had a family. So right. he screwed now, up. Now he screwed up and he pays for it in a major way, Chad. Oh my God. It's a great scene too. Cause uh, uh, Poe is just lying there and uh, sleeping, I believe. And Van Cleef just karate chops him right in his fat gut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then as, as Emil and Van Cleef are kind of giving him the business, Van Cleef chops off the, the, the bottom portion of his ear mm. with a pair of scissors, which can't uh, feel good. It can't be good. I mean, you know, two year olds get ear pier- ear piercings, but this probably didn't feel good. No, 
I can't imagine it did. And uh, so now, though, you know, they've they've kind of taught Randall a lesson. Don't screw up again. Um, but now they also have some some studying to do on this Chance Boudreau character who we find out was a, a Marine. He had the Silver Star. Um, you know, so this guy is, you know, this would be a perfect guy for them to hunt. Yeah, he's a good candidate. Um also did notice a dove showed up, which is, of course, <laughs> a uh, John Woo uh, yeah. trait. The first of many. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was the first time a dove showed up. At least the and first I think time that, I noticed it. Right. And I think that you're, you, this moment that you're saying the dove shows up and that's kind of what gives Chance that, you know, that inkling like, hey, I'm on to something. And that's when he's kind of, you know, pouring over the, the photos and he kind right. of uh, right. he realizes. Goes, he goes to that the building. And yeah, Chance, he's not a dog, he's a man, but he's thinking about dog tags, ah, right? Ah, yeah. So he, he realizes that there was only one dog tag found with the burned body. The second dog tag must be at the scene of the crime. Uh, so he goes there, yeah. So yeah. It, the dove may, maybe is prophetic. Yeah, Pro- is that symbolism. A yes, prophetic. Prophetic. Yes. What did I say? You, you were Who close. cares? Who cares? It, it wouldn't be the first time somebody said something wrong on this program. <laughs> That's true. And it will not be the last, I assure no. you. Maybe not even in this episode. Uh, Guaranteed, so, actually. So, so Chance goes to look for this second dog tag. He, he doesn't, you know, police line, do not cross. Fuck you is what he says. And he Whoa. goes anyway. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> he goes, he goes in anyway. the blue dog. He goes anyway. He's like, no, he's just like, I'm going to do. I got to look at this. And he finds it. But old, uh. Emil may figured maybe somebody might be snooping around the old, uh, <laughs> the scene of the crime. So he sends, I think they're, they may be actually named frickin' frack, uh, I believe. So they show up. Wait, what was their names? Frickin' frack. That's beautiful. That sounds like something out of a Disney movie from the sixties. Well, maybe John Wood was a big fan of that. I don't know, it's, but it's possible. Uh, so they come in and you know, they get him. they attack him, warn him. Hey, just mind your business. Get the hell out of town. Right. But uh, they put a, they put a pretty good beating on him, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he only has like a slight nick over his eye. Right. Well, <laughs> no. come on, you, you can put him down, but not for long. That's right. for sure. And he, let's be clear, he's not a dog; he's a man. So right, I, we've 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 established that. Uh, so, but the dog tag. So he takes that, and there was a hole pierced through it, as if though something shot through it. Yes. Perhaps a metal arrow of some sort. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, so he takes that to the detective and says, hey, my theory is he was murdered. I mean, he pulls like his yeah. best. He didn't do, no, he should have done the whole thing like Angela Lansbury would on Murder, yeah. She Wrote, like reconstruct the whole thing, but he didn't do yeah. that. He didn't have enough to go on yet. They should have had Angela Lansbury in this movie mm. as Chance. Oh, no. As Chance as Ant or something or just something. No, no, just, no, no, no. As Chance. Maybe, okay, well, we could rewrite this movie as a, a Angela Lansbury project. Uh, so yeah, now what do we go to? Oh, the refined Emil playing the piano. Do you think Lance Henriksen really knows how to play the piano? Or is that movie magic? I want to believe that he does, um, but I do. I, I know for a fact that this scene is awesome because uh, there, there's so much going on in the scene without anything really happening you know there's just music this beautiful music playing in the background this amazing room that they're in this is this this piano it's just like immaculate looking and everyone's just sitting around all like uh you know 
gentlemanly and right. and, and there's like this real era of like look how amazing these people are and rich and and then they start talking about like just murdering people <laughs> you know like they're the elite and this is what they do for fun. Right. They play piano and they talk about murdering people. So well, is this, how close is this to reality is the real question. Right. Well, and you know, that is kind of a, a thing. And I think it was Lionheart where I first yes. realized like the wealthy just are so into watching fights to the death. Yes. There's so many movies that way that you're like, man, someone. But you, but you think that goes back to, to the Roman times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, and the, you know, the, the thing that the Romans did was they let poor people watch. Right. That's why it became such a, you know, a popular event. I'm sure rich people were watching for many years before that. Right. Right. So we get, uh, then we cut to Poe, who's now interviewing Elijah, who we had met earlier. And we find yes. out that Elijah was former special forces. He's got no family. So yeah. He is absolutely perfect. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you don't get much better than that if you're these hunting people. Right. And, and you could tell that he, he's not exactly excited about the, the idea of doing it. Um, but well, I'm not even push... sure he knows exactly what the, the job, he's just like, no. Hey, be there for this. They haven't right. even filled him in on it. But when, once he gets there and they're like, you could win $10,000. Right. And they offer him a hundred bucks just to fill out the application. And right. once he accepts that, you could just tell like, okay, they've got him. Like they have the perfect system for getting these guys. And that's, you know, flash a little money to a guy who's, down on his luck. Yeah. And while this is going, speaking of down on his luck, old Poe yeah. has decided he, he deserves a massage after all the trouble yeah. he's been through. So he's at the massage parlor face down. Doesn't know what the hell's going on. Chance does the old switcheroo. Yep. Uh, sends the uh, lady masseuse on her way and he takes over Yeah, and gets a little uh, interrogation in on, uh, on uh, big fat Poe. Yeah. He's getting kind of handsy with him there for a minute. Um, Looks like he's got a nice firm grip around his neck. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he basically tells Poe like, Hey, tell your, tell your buddy there, Van Cleef or whoever he is that I'm on his trail and I'm going to find out who killed, you know, Douglas Bender. So, so it, yeah, not so. a lot's happening in the scene. No. I mean, I, I, he's not as threatening as, as the bad guys. Let's just say that. Right. But one thing you could say both literally and figuratively Poe did not get a happy ending at the massage bar. He did not. Um, absolutely not. <laughs> so we, we then find out that uh, one of the reasons maybe they were getting away with some stuff here in New Orleans is they had the coroner in their pocket. Yeah. Uh, but after the new evidence that uh, Chance had uncovered illegally to, was given to Detective Mitchell, she goes to the coroner and is like, hey, you need to redo this autopsy yeah. because this this doesn't jive with what you've said before um and he's freaking out and this is also about the time where lance is like okay this uh elijah hunt is going to be the last one in new orleans right we got to get out of here um and the elijah hunt's kind of a another real cool scene because a lot of it takes place in a cemetery yeah there's a lot of cool stuff in it um you know like you said they're going you know one of the things that makes new orleans a a, a unique city is the the cemeteries and you know you you go some of the uh downtown areas you've just got like bars on top of bars on top of bars and there's people everywhere and there's always people in the streets and, and you kind of get a sense of that in this scene because as they're running through the cemetery you've got all these uh the, you know these people are buried above ground because of the floodplain or whatever right 
And then later on, he gets into the streets and there's just folks everywhere, you know, walking around. And you would think like, hey, this would be a safe place for him because there's so many people around. But it, it doesn't seem yeah, to be the case. They here. just think he's a crazy drunk guy. Uh, yeah. Because which, there's, there's those people running around at all times in New Orleans. I right. Think. I and, mean, I was down there. I don't remember seeing that many at the time, but maybe I was just in the wrong places. You were maybe you were in the right places. <laughs> or yeah. I, yeah. I will not go back to New Orleans. I had I spent a few weeks there and I will not go back. <laughs> Did you spend a few weeks there in just one night or literally a few weeks there? Literally a f- like three weeks uh, yeah. p- post-Katrina. And, All right. Uh, All right. Yeah. I- I've had enough time there. I think, I'm, I- I I think understand. I'll move, move to I was city. I was there for WrestleMania 30. So my, my time was a little bit different than yours. Slightly obviously. different, yes. Obviously. Um, All right. So the next day, Elijah's now found dead. Um, and the, the detective... Chance and Nat are all go to pay Poe a visit because they're figuring this guy is the common denominator here. We got to figure out what's going on, but they don't get to him first. Chad, old Van Cleef does. Yeah, um, he's super dead. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of a funny scene because he he walks up to him with this freaking twelve gauge shotgun, puts it to his head, and he's just like toying with him. You know, listening to him cry. And then he just shoots him in the head. Like there's really nothing, nothing to it. It doesn't really change his day at all. Uh, and then they leave. That's it. He posed dead. And then, like you said, that uh, you know Nat and and Chance show up with the detective and kind of see the the aftermath. And, and that's when you know we get this. Uh, yeah, we, the beginning we get- of this incredible, incredible action sequence. Yeah, we get. It starts off like a shootout in the French Quarter. Uh, Detective Mitchell does not make it. Um, Someone's ha- someone has to die, right? Somebody has to die, and yeah. she was she was elected. Uh, Chance and Nat hop on a motorcycle, and yeah, like you, it's just I, I couldn't in these notes as you could see. I didn't I couldn't even put in words what's happening because it's it is a literal action orgasm. It is John Woo at his finest. You got Van Dam balancing on a motorcycle. It's it's everything. It's everything he, you'd want in an action movie. Right. And he, and John Woo does, uh, he does dirt bike action really well. You know, there's not a lot of, you don't get to say that very often about a director, but uh, a lot of his films, he he has a dirt bike sequence in a lot of them. And I don't know if it's because they're very versatile uh, and they're, they're more lightweight, so you can flip him and you can fling him and you can jump him off stuff. But but he seems to use them often in films and, and this one. I mean, we get a guy like basically surfing on a dirt bike right. while shooting a submachine gun and, you know, it's doing flips over cars while they're driving down the road. And I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's pretty damn good. It's, it's as good as you're going to see in any film in 1993. Yeah. And I do, I want to, uh, if, if you're a fan of bike stunts, a little aside, no time to die right at the beginning, uh, the new, latest James Bond movie. Fantastic bike stunt on that one yeah just was like whoa but that's you know that's the the, the james bond formula they hook you early what's right big that's set smart. action piece and they yeah. did it they did a great job on that one so if you're a james bond fan or just a motorcycle loving fan check that one out uh so yeah we we get that amazing sequence um and now obviously plans have changed uh, there's going to be one more hunt in new orleans and it's going to be chance boudreaux um, but the interesting thing here is you know, they're, they're going to do this on Chance's turf, Chad. Right. 
Yeah, because Chance and Nat do get away from that crazy motorcycle, uh, you know, that whole sequence. They get away, they, they leap off of a bridge onto a moving train, which, you know, that's who hasn't done that, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so they survive that somehow. And, uh, and, and they this, basically jump off the train and they're now they're just in the swap. And this is where we get really, I think, the first good look at the gun of Emil, which I know you're a big fan of the gun yeah. that Lance Henriksen uses in this film. Yeah. You know, it just, it, cha- it, it feels like it belongs to his character, right? Like you could give him a, just a pistol. You could give him a, a rifle. You could give him all kinds of weapons and it wouldn't feel special, but he's got like this single shot. I don't know what that round is. Is that, I don't know, 30 caliber round or something. It's a large round that he's firing out of that pistol, but it's a, it's a single shot uh, pistol. And it it just like, I've never seen it in a film before. Um, and it just feels unique to him and it feels like it fits the character. Like, like he wouldn't hunt with something other than that gun. You know, he could pick up a freaking AK 47, but that's not his style. Like there's nothing stylish about that. It's almost like he's a sportsman and like, you know, that's, it's almost like he's an artist. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it as well. So, and you know, this, you know, chance Boudreaux, he's a top dollar hunt. Oh yeah, for sure. So you want the best of the best hunters, not like the guy who was was uh, hunting Elijah, who was just obviously like a weekend warrior who didn't even yeah, want he to was finish like a, the job. A banker or something. Yeah, just some guy trying to midlife crisis type situation. Yeah. So you you need seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to participate in this, and one of the participants and I. It's been it's been quite a few years since I watched Hard Target. I I hate to say it, but I forgot all about Svenoli Thorson. <laughs> How can you forget that shirt? I, I know? know that beautiful shirt he had. I loved it. It makes me want to work out more, so I get big and thick, and I can just wear stupid shirts like that. Yeah, and get away with it, right? So, yeah, the hunters are in. Uh, Chance and Nat they're on a backwoods trail, yep. um, and we get the famous scene with the rattlesnake chat. <laughs> yeah, it's a great scene. Uh, you know, Chance and Nat, like you said, they're kind of moving through this uh, this light, not very dense swamp. Uh, she's like, you know, is there a trail somewhere? And he's like, this is the trail. Um, but he knows exactly where he is because he grew up in the, in this area. And uh, they have a, a slight moment as they're resting. And he, you know, do you trust me? And she's like, of course I trust you. Then close your eyes. And, you know, she is kind of puckering up, just waiting to be, <laughs> waiting for him to lay one on her face. Well, and, she's seen all the other Van Damme movies. She, 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 was, coming she was expecting him to pull his ass out or something right. at some point. Uh, but uh, just as she closes her eyes and kind of puckers up a little bit, waiting for that, that smoochy smooch, uh, you get this slow motion rattlesnake over her shoulder, just getting ready to pounce on her. And Van Damme grabs it by the throat, fucking punches it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> knocks it out knocks it out and i've bites. never seen a man knock out a snake before dude like it's so badass I, I know how fake it is but it's so cool um and it, you know the, the thing that kind of surprises me is that there haven't been more deaths in real life of people trying it <laughs> you know what i mean like you know yeah. me if i hadn't been like you know 10 years old when this movie came out i'd have been like shit dude i gotta find a snake and i gotta grab it by the throat and knock it out but uh, yeah, he knocks it out. He bites off its uh, its rattler, and then uh, hangs it in a tree to as a as like a home alone. You yeah, know, a little, Kevin, bo- little booby trap for the little guys. Kevin stunt. Yeah, 
Yep. Oh, Kevin Boudreau. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, and, and the hunters do get in and actually uh, elim- <laughs> takes out one of the guys tracking them down. So that's, Hell yeah. a, that's a good thing because the, obviously the odds are a big part of what are, we'll be working against chance as this goes on. And then it comes and it happens. It's diabetes time. Yes. We get old Wilfred Brimley as uncle Duvet uh, or Duvy. Uh, and Duvy has this nice swamp shack. Um, not, not to be confused with the love shack. Yes. Uh, but chance and Nat are there and, you know, chance fills in Duvy about what's going on. And apparently Duvy didn't have a real great attachment to the swamp shack or had a greater attachment to his, his nephew. Yeah. Because they rigged that whole thing up and set quite the trap for, uh, Emil and company. Right. He's a loving uncle. You know, he, he, he raised, uh, helped to raise Chance and, and, uh, he's pretty thrilled when he comes out and, you know, uh, Chance does this little special whistle, you know, yeah, like this bird whistle. Um, so that's a cool little, little sequence where you get to, they, you know, they connect in a way that that's not just like, Hey, what's up uncle. Right. Um, and he's got all this, uh, moonshine everywhere. He's got this big shining <laughs> table. It's like out in the middle of this field. You know what I mean? You can tell you're in the middle of nowhere when you don't have to hide your shine. Right. He's just got uh, that still right out there. Yeah. It's just sitting out there in the middle and he's like, Woo wee. He's, he's way over the top. So, uh, like you say, he, you know, they're, they're expecting to be trapped or to be tracked to this area. So they set up the house, they rig it up to explode. And then, uh, that chance kind of gets his old shotgun from when he was a kid. And then he goes on this goes goes out on his own on a horse, uh, you know, partially trying to lead them in one direction, but also trying to take out as many as he can. So. Right. And, and in theory, he's going to do that. And Doobie and Nat are going to go to the cops. That's not going to end up happening. Um, no. But I just want to say Wilfred Brimley is one of those guys who I, when I sit back and think, like here's a guy you would not expect to be involved in action movies, but yeah, he's in hard target, which I obviously love. Right. He's in Remo Williams, which I love. And he's in yep. 10 to midnight, which I love. So I mean, he's, he had a, a nice little action movie uh, he's in, filmography. He's in John Carpenter's the thing, right? He's in the thing as well. I love yes. that. Good yeah. for him. So yeah, he, he had a hell of a run. He did a lot there. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, I think it was just last year, maybe earlier this year, that we did lose old Wilfred Brimley. So, rest in peace, Wilfred. You, yeah, R.I.P. You will, good, you, good run. You'll you will be remembered. Yeah, you did have a hell of a run, and your Quaker Oats may have kept him going. Um, I'm sure he made bank off that Quaker Oats stuff because you can't even think of Wilfred Brimley without thinking of right. Of they should just put O'Neal. his picture on there instead of that Quaker yeah. son of a bitch. Get him off of there. <laughs> <laughs> can't somebody be offended by that and get him off i'm surprised they haven't yet there's there's still time they will just, just slap wilford on there posthumously um, put wilford on there it'd be wonderful his family would love it um so yeah uh so van cleef he's like you know what we can just get in get in the helicopter and shoot this motherfucker basically <laughs> <laughs> pardon my louisiana french and he's uh, right but again, here's that artist. Here's that sportsman. Yeah. I mean, he's like, no, anybody could do that. Any idiot could do that. And he's right. right. He wants, you know, it's, it's that thrill of a hunt. And it's, it's that probably, I mean, it's probably orgasmic for him yeah. to do that. Where just shooting them from the sky would be nothing. And, and there's also, he also has to think about his clientele, right? His clients are there 
They paid right. big money That's to true. come hunt this guy. He's a so, businessman. Yeah, if if he just blows this guy away from from you know 100 feet up, there's no money in that. These guys aren't going to pay another quarter million dollars or half million dollars to hunt somebody when they don't get to fire a shot. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I get it. Is it smart? Probably not, but it makes yeah, sense. He may regret it by the end of the movie, you, you think. Uh, yeah, probably. You, you might think that. So anyway, Chance, he leads the hunters to the Mardi Gras graveyard. And you talked about it earlier, about how great New Orleans is just because it's so yeah. unique. And this is definitely an example of that because all those creepy floats <laughs> yeah. just in this all dusty and cobwebs and just, yeah, it's it's a wonderful uh, setting for what is the 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 final showdown and and one of the yeah. scenes that really uh, st- stood out to me is when Emil his jacket's on fire and he's like barely selling it such a yeah. badass I mean it's all yes. slow mo and he's just like Bleh. like anybody else would freak out and should stop drop and roll I know that's what you would teach people being I would, a firefighter yeah. I would but he does not follow the stop drop and roll. No, he doesn't. And in fact, he, he barely even, he no sells it, you know, for mm-hmm. the most point. And I, I think that, you know, with, with the character, you know, I can't put words into Lance Henriksen's mouth, but I think that for the first time, this guy is in a long time is feeling alive. You know, he's been bouncing around Eastern Europe and Brazil or wherever the hell they went. And they're just hunting these guys and killing them and making loads of money. And now, you know, yeah. Now that the, the, the tables have turned a bit. Right. The, a real you know, the, challenge. He's become numb to everything. He has become numb to, you know, he used to enjoy killing these people. And now he just kind of like goes to the motions. But now the chance is there and chance is killing his men. And he's, he's, he's just like, it's like playing Stratego against somebody and beating him a hundred times and then losing. You're like, oh shit. Yeah, and it's, it's he's got the real deal he's dealing with, uh, and we get to then see Chance take out old Sven Oli Thorson with the old upside down gun technique. Yeah, which I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie before. <laughs> I can't recall no. It, or since. And it's it's a good technique, I guess it worked, hundred <laughs> percent success rate. <laughs> but he does he does apologize to Sven about you know sorry about the shirt. Right, I mean, uh, it, which it really was a nice shirt. That was nice of him to say that. So yeah, Doobie and Nat decide instead of going to the cops, they're going to go and help out Chance. And they even get to take out some of the lower level guys. Yeah. So that, that's good. But then Doobie, it's not long. He's on top for a minute. but uh, And he's very good with the bow and arrow. He, he is. He is excellent marksman in that, yeah. in that field. But he takes one in the leg and it's not looking good for him. Yeah, I don't know if he's on blood thinners, but he he's definitely got to worry about that leg shot. He, he goes down, um, and you know there are he concerns was definitely about on diabetes medicine. <laughs> it's true. Which you got from Liberty, by the way, and they will get you whatever you need, ship it right to your house in a plain brown wrapper. You very very convenient. It's Liberty. <laughs> Another good commercial for this for this podcast. Why are we not getting commercials? Just constantly we should be we should be playing at least five commercials an episode we should be between this and kobolowski tires i mean we're we're doing some good business here no shit dude these these companies stocks are going through the roof and we're here i'm drinking the cheapest rum i can find yeah 
Well, so yeah, he's out. But now we get Chance versus Old Van Cleef. So that that yes. stare down earlier, about to get paid off. Uh, and right. these guys, another great scene here, just on either side of a wall, and they just start going to town, shooting at each other. Right. I mean, that's a classic John Woo uh, scene right there. You know, he's probably done it three times over the years. Um, and and this one is just as good as the others. And it's hard to imagine uh, an action director like with, with so many like he's he's just so good at, at, at framing these scenes, at building up characters that you want to see either live or die. Um I mean, how many guys do we see die around them in this final in this finale? Like, there's a bunch of no name guys getting killed, um, and we don't care about him. But when it comes to Van Cleef, we care. Like, we want to see him right. die because he's such a prick. So, well, and yeah, I think we, that- we saw him shoot the, the detective. We saw him shoot Poe. I mean, yeah. he's a he's a horrible individual who deserved to die. We know and, he's a bad person. And even up until this finale, we're still building up Emil or uh, Emil Fushan. We're still building up these characters. You know, like you, we were talking about Fushan with the jacket on fire and throwing it down. And he's just like, he seems like a badass. And like, we're still like creating character elements, even though we're only eight minutes left in the film. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that as an action director, you don't typically see that. You know, you see that in like these long dramas and thrillers and Scorsese movies and stuff like that, where, you know, you Scorsese will take a, a, a six minute scene where you're just walking through a building. And you learn a lot from it, whereas action movies don't tend to do that. So, but I felt like John John Woo really has a, a great grasp of that. So we get that one. Uh, then Emil he takes out, seemingly takes out Doobie, just stabs him. It's all over for Doobie, as far as we know at this point in time, um, which now leaves really just Emil versus Chance. The hunter officially becomes the hunted. And in typical bad guy fashion, though, old Emil uses Nat, gets a hold of Nat. Yeah, smart. And uh, uses her uh, as a as a shield, and then has that great line where he gets the gun out and he tells her, <laughs> "Load me." <laughs> yeah, that's seems like something he would do, right? Yeah, I I believed it. I bought it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but a grenade, a grenade comes into play, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I mean. In the in the previous sequence where where Chance kills Van Cleef, uh, in in just a great way, right? He just fucking unloads on him, and then he kicks him into a pile of shit. Uh, but he grabs a grenade, right? He has a grenade off of him, and he's just beating the shit out of people using his. The grenade is wrapped in like a shirt, right? He's mm-hmm. he's popped a shirt off at this point. Naturally, it's hot in there, shit. Hell so yeah. he's using this grenade to beat people's brains in, and then <laughs> as as Emil is, you know, uttering the line, load me to Nat and loading his single shot pistol. Uh, Chance is just booking it, right? He's just like, and he's going for that crazy drop kick. Yeah. Yeah. With grenade in hand. A lot of, yeah, like jumping and doing things Van Damme in this one. Yes. I mean, if you, if you like movies where guys jump and shoot at the same times, at the same time, then John Woo movies is what you, that's what you should yeah, be watching. Yeah. Hard target and any other John Woo movie will, will get you your fix. Yep. So the grenade obviously proves to, Emil's not better than a grenade. Uh, and uh, 
we get our little bit of a, a happy ending at, after the demise of our, our main villain. Because old Doovie, well, the flask may not have survived, but he did. <laughs> right. And, I mean, you have to mention the fact that the grenade was dropped down Emil's pants, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and then he got headbutted, which is awesome. Um, he was getting then, it from the north and the south. <laughs> he gets it from the north and the south. But he, he, he grabs the grenade. And I don't know. To me, I'm like, shit, throw it. Like, grab, throw it. Right. But maybe it's smart to... to uh, Try to defuse it. Remove the charge, you know, the yeah. charge to it or whatever. And he does that. He, he diffuses it. He pulls it apart and he's like, ha, ha, ha. And then he looks down and it like zaps itself or whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, no. He didn't pull out enough, which is a problem <laughs> men have sometimes. That it, It's difficult at times, something, right? Yes, yeah, something slips out and then next thing you know, you, you got an issue. Right. I know. I've had it a couple times. And uh, you know, yeah. my game... My game's very strong, but you know, we all have those nights. So, so yeah, the, the, he does not outsmart the grenade, uh, and our trio walks away, maybe a little worse for wear, but they're still alive. A little Credence Clearwater revival, born on the Bayou plays, and our end credits, and there you yeah. have it: Hard Target, a 1993 classic. Chad Cruz, your final thoughts. My God, I love this movie so much. Uh, I don't know what they paid for for the CCR at the end, but it was well worth the money. Um, it almost yeah, makes how you else, wish it How was, else are you going to end it? I know. It's perfect. It, yeah. Uh, and it makes you want to – it's one of those you know, movies nowadays. We're, we're kind of at this point where we sit through credits just to see if there's an in-credit scene. But this song alone will make you leave the credits on so you can just hear the music. Yeah. Um, it's that good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I love this movie. I adore it. I think, I think that everything in it's done well. I think that, uh, if you're a, if you're not a John Woo fan, then you probably haven't seen this film. Um, you've probably seen some of his lesser films, I guess is my, it's, that's what I would say. So, um, if you're into action, early nineties action, this is, this is an elite film and it's one of Van Damme's better films. And I mean, there's, there's nothing negative I could say about this other than it's not long enough. And I think there is a longer cut that I've heard about out there. Really? Um, and I don't know. I know there's this movie is getting a Blu-ray release, like an individual Blu-ray release. It was okay. released as part of like a five pack uh, right. some, some years ago. Uh, and I don't know if that one has the extended cut on it or not. So that's something I'm going to have to do a little research on. Uh, because I think that one is coming out here. Uh, that we talked earlier about uh, great holiday gifts. Uh, this one might be a good one for yourself. Oh yeah, uh, for would sure. Be this one, and you know, to me, and we talked about it also at the top. You know, you saw the progression of Van Damme, um, and this movie really gave Van Damme a chance to do a not Van Damme movie. He did a John Woo movie, because so much of what we're accustomed to in a Van Damme movie did not happen in this movie. Right. There was not the romance that he would normally have. There, I don't, fighting he tournament. He, yeah, there wasn't a tournament. He didn't do the splits as far as I could. I don't, he didn't do the splits. No, I don't think so. He didn't show off his ass. No, He that's looked surprising. completely different than he ever looked with due to the mullet. Maybe um, my favorite look of his ever. And, you know, so it just, it, it was Van Damme doing a John Woo movie instead of Van Damme just doing another Van Damme movie. And, and I, this really to me may have been like the tipping point where now after this, he does time cop, which is like his biggest movie ever. 
Right. You know, it's like, it was definitely a part of that change where it's like, okay, he's on a legit action star, not just doing these B movies. He could be in a bigger movie and he proved it here in hard target. Um, and like you, I, I love this movie. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm actually glad this is the one that won because of the four that we had on the list. This is the one I had seen the longest ago. Like I, it's been, I, I needed a chance to revisit it and this, not that you need an excuse to watch Hard Target. <laughs> right. This was a goddamn good excuse to watch Hard Target because we're doing it here on the Bulletproof Podcast. So thank you for everyone who voted. Uh, I enjoyed this movie, reliving it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to check out that uh, Blu-ray when it comes out. I think it's got a special commentary track and everything. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm all about those. Yeah, he. I mean, there's a couple of movies that he's done over the course of his career where I think the director really shines through. I think this one, I think knockoff is another one. And uh, I don't know. You've seen one Van Damme movie. You've seen them all is usually what you would think, but it's not the case here. Like you said, like this is, this is Wu's film. And I think that he actually ups Van Damme's game. So it's perfect. It really is. And uh, yeah, yep. It does have the unrated director's cut. This, this Blu-ray that's coming out. So beautiful. That will definitely be a pre-order for me as soon as it's available. If it's not already, if I or it could be lying and it's already available and I haven't done or, it yet. Order me one too, will you? Oh sure, why not? Why not? It's the holidays coming up. <laughs> uh, it's the season of giving, uh, and we're going to give you another episode of the Bulletproof Podcast here in two weeks' time, and it is going to be our traditional Halloween episode, Chad. And I know you have Spooky. selected a scary good action film for us to to watch next time i have and i'm very excited about this because uh it's a film that i've, I've seen multiple times and, and it kind of lives on that edge between action and horror it's it's certainly a horror movie but it's got enough action in it where you could be like okay yeah that that fits and um i know a lot of people out there have seen it because it has a, a following it's uh, it's a movie called Jason X. Ooh, Jason it's, X. <laughs> it's not what many consider to be uh, an upper echelon of uh, Friday the 13th film in, in that franchise, but it's got so many fun things that happen in it. And uh, I mean, I think it's the perfect movie for an action podcast in Halloween season. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. We're going to, we're going to do the shit out of it. We're going to do a deep dive on it. And we are going to be joined by the real Todd Gaines for that one, because, you know, if there's titties in a movie, we got to call <laughs> RTG out to talk about he's, them. He's probably already got the dimensions of those boobs and yeah. he's got them all pre-planned in his mind. Yeah. He's like, you know, the scene in uh, The Hangover when uh, the one dude's in the casino and he's got all the numbers flashing across the screen. That's RTG when he sees like uh, bra sizes. Absolutely. I mean, he, yeah, he'll know every movie and every other time they appeared naked if they did, in fact. Yes. And that one, of course, coming up on October the 26th. Uh, and, you know, before we go, the reason we did a, a Jean Claude Van Damme movie is because his birthday is coming up on the 18th. So, super happy early birthday to you, JCVD. Um, and uh, again, everybody should uh, watch some uh, Jean Claude this month to celebrate the great Van Damme's birthday. Amen. It's always a good time. Absolutely is. And uh, I've had a good time talking yeah. to you, Chad. Yeah. Speaking this. of good time, Brain, I've had a oh, great time. Oh, here we go. Oh, great time even. Yeah. Well, 
Hopefully our listeners have had a great time listening to us talk hard target. And I want to thank them for doing so. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 